When it comes to the abortion debate, the central question is who the preborn are and what abortion does to them. However, in the abortion war, we have witnessed amazing rhetorical gymnastics to try and skirt the very question of whether abortion ends the life of a growing and developing human being. Language matters in the abortion debate, as we will see today. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to artifacts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. My name is Peter. I am the host of the show. And with me again is my good friend and wonderful co-host, Cameron Cote. How are you today, sir? I am doing great, Peter. Thank you. How are you doing, sir? I am doing really, really well. Just on the, the back end of a cold here, um, but still excited to, to dive into this episode. Uh, thank you again for everyone who's tuning in. Before we, before we dive into the content, I just want to uh, direct your attention to our Patreon page. You have the opportunity of financially partnering with the Pro-Life Guys podcast so that you can join us in bringing the truth about abortion and the you know good and effective and winsome apologetics to people around the world. So consider becoming a patron, patreon.com slash Guys. Check out the tiers. There are different perks uh, for the various tiers, so go check it out patreon.com slash pro-life guys. All right, Cam, the other day, both you and I watched Plant Parenthood YouTube channel's most popular video. The video is called, How Do I Get Pregnant? Could you, uh, could you intro us to that video and explain why it is that we're going to be talking about that video today? Yeah, so I, I don't even remember exactly how I stumbled upon it. I think that I was listening to some other pro-life debate or something that was online, and this popped up as a suggested video. And generally, I don't bother, um, to put it frankly, wading through the filth that Planned Parenthood puts out, whether on their social media or on the YouTube channel or anything like that. But I figured it was important to understand the information and the language being used by our opponents and understand how they are working to kind of corrupt the abortion conversation. What I mean by that is like the language that they're using. We often internally, and I'm, I'm sure that many of those working full-time in the pro-life movement are familiar with the idea of like a, a Leesburg grid. Maybe if you're a politician, you know what that means as well. Understanding how the language is controlled by the different players at, at the table, as it were. And I think it's really interesting and really valuable to be able to take a look at the language that Planned Parenthood is using in this, their most popular video. It was posted just over five years ago now. Um, it's got over 5 million views on YouTube. 
And while that isn't extraordinarily high, I think that it, it's relevant enough, similar to, to a callback to when we did the, the Bill Nye, the Science Guy episode way back at the beginning of this podcast. Um, I think it's important for us to address it and respond to it so that we, we can have our ears perked up for the conversations that we're having with people to know how semantics um, kind of sneak into the conversations we're having about abortion and how we respond to them and how we make sure that people know what it is that they're saying and that we're clear about the language that we're using. So I, I think it's really valuable, Peter, that, that you and I jump into this. And it was fascinating to, to see how they tried to sidestep that, that question of when does human life begin by talking about how they characterize pregnancy beginning, I suppose. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And so what we want to do today uh, for everyone listening or watching uh, on YouTube, we want to break down this video and then we want to end just with a, a few tips, I guess, uh, on how to respond to some of the rhetoric that we might hear on the streets. I mean, we are going to be um, talking about some of the quotes that this Planned Parenthood video uses. Um, but we also want you to be aware of, okay, let's say someone brings us up on the streets and they're adamant that, you know, this is the way that we ought to describe a pregnancy or this is the way that we ought to describe a preborn child, how we can really um, respond to that when we are in conversation with someone, because as you know, that is the goal of this podcast. All right, so let's break it down, Cam. Th this video opens up by explaining what, a, what sperm are, explaining what women's eggs are um, in, in accurate detail, in my opinion, and it highlights the path that uh, both of these take within the woman's body uh, prior to meeting. I, I mean, it, it talks about the path um, once they've met as well, but prior to meeting, it just highlights the the path they take, the way they navigate their way through the, you know, from the, the fallopian tube through the, you know, the the to the uterus, uterus um, and various places. So that's accurate. Um, th that's an accurate description of, um, you know, how reproduction works, I guess, up until that point. But there are a number of inaccuracies. And as you've mentioned, language matters in this debate because this, I mean, this debate is not just a debate on, you know, ideas, um, but the rhetoric we use could mean, you know, is talking about a preborn child and is talking about, you know, what abortion might do to that preborn child if we, you know, pursue the abortion procedure. So could you highlight, Cam, some of the inaccuracies um, and just complete errors that exist in this video as we start to get into what pregnancy is, what fertilization looks like? and so on. Absolutely. And I, the way that I've kind of broken this down is three categories. First of all, things that are outright inaccurate. Second of all, things that are ambiguous and lead people towards an, um, an incorrect conclusion. And the third thing being things that are left out entirely, which would have been very, very valuable in demonstrating a more accurate scientific worldview, which goes hand in hand within holistic pro-life worldview. And I'll start with that, that third category of something that was left out entirely in this video. And so like you mentioned, they, they do a, a somewhat accurate job of how do the, the sperm cell and egg cell go about their, their origins um, to fertilization, but they don't talk at all about the genetics. They don't mention that the genetic code within the sperm cell is that of the man's or the genetic code within the egg cell is that of the woman's and how at fertilization you have a new unique genetic code. 
obviously they left that out. They left out all mention of genetics because they know that that does not help the pro-abortion worldview in any way. Um, they, they need to um, avoid the conversation of genetics entirely. But let's move into that first category. The first thing that stands out to me as a major uh, inaccuracy is more of a visual thing than a verbal thing. What it is, is how they show fertilization happening. What they show is a sperm cell meeting an egg cell and the sperm cell jetting inside of the sperm cell, uh, sorry, the sperm cell jetting inside of the egg cell and kind of floating around and squiggling around inside of the egg cell. Um, they, I'm sure they did this because they wanted to show the, the difference in size between an egg cell and a sperm cell, the sperm cell being physiologically one of the smallest human cells and the egg cell being physiologically one of the largest human cells that are out there. But this is just downright inaccurate in that the sperm with the little head and the little tail never enters into the egg cell. You have a fusion of membranes and a dumping of genetic code at the moment of fertilization, which is the beginning of a unique individual human. That that idea of a sperm cell going inside of the, the um, egg cell is completely inaccurate. That does not happen whatsoever. It's just an intermingling of DNA after that union of cell membranes around the two. And so that's the first thing that really stood out to me as something that was downright inaccurate, absolutely inaccurate biologically and physiologically that, that happens. But the other thing that I think is really, really important that is some would characterize kind of as a, a second tier of something that's intentionally vague or, or ambiguous, but I believe is, is downright inaccurate, is referring to the zygote as a fertilized egg. This is something that, that we hear, Peter, in, in conversation somewhat frequently, right? I'm, I'm sure that you can think of people um, that share this in conversation. I've even had pro-lifers talk about this at times, of, of the fertilized egg is a, a new human being. No, there, there's no such thing as a fertilized egg. That egg ceases to exist at the moment of fertilization. The sperm ceases to exist at the moment of fertilization. You have a new cell, a zygote at that point. So talking about a fertilized egg is a meaningless point, I think, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the way I like to think about it, Cam, is it's kind of like saying that uh, someone who's married, uh, like a, a man who's married is a married single man, right? We still refer to that man as a single man um, and call him, you know, a married single man, which we would all think is completely ridiculous. Once you're married, you're no longer single. It, there's no married single men and married single women. Um, once you're married, the singleness is gone. And so the same way, once uh, an egg is fertilized, there is no more sperm and there is no more, there is no more egg. But what we have, as you've mentioned, is the, the fusion of the two into a, a new human being, into a, a human zygote. Yeah. And, and that human zygote, as every credible biology textbook, embryology textbook is going to acknowledge, is the beginning of a human being, the beginning of a human individual. We are really small. We don't look very much like you and I, Peter, obviously. And we talked about that last week about the, the idea of personhood and how you don't have to be a living member of the human species plus look like an adult human or anything like that. It, it often makes me think of the the age-old pro-abortion argument of acorns are not oak trees. You don't sit under underneath an acorn for shade. That may be true, but you also don't sit under a sapling for shade. Um, 
different members of a species are going to function differently. And there's a difference between saying uh, an acorn or even a sapling doesn't function the same way as as an adult oak tree, something that everybody's willing to accept just as much as um, you don't ask infants and toddlers to perform surgery, generally speaking. Um, functionally, we're very different. Biologically, we are absolutely equal members of the species. And so that's the first thing. Moving on from there, though, Peter, I, I, I'm sure that you probably caught it as well, this idea of a ball of cells. This is one of those category two intentional um, ambiguities characterizing this new human being, this precious, individual, beautiful new human being merely as a clump of cells is probably one of the most dehumanizing things I've ever heard, right? Yeah, that's right. So we, we, what we've done is we've gone from a fertilized egg with first with the sperm swimming around within the egg, then we have a fertilized egg. Uh, and then we have this fertilized egg, quote unquote, uh, making its way into the uterus. And from then on, we start calling it a, a, a ball of cells. And what struck me, I don't know if this hit you as well, but it, it just seemed like the way this ball of cells was like bouncing around the uterus in this animated video kind of reminded me of a pinball machine, just like this ball floating all over the place, bouncing on the side. <laughs> um, as they were trying to describe that, yes, this is just a ball of cells at this particular moment. And the next step in the, I guess, the, the, the movement or the traveling of this ball of cells is that it has to implant somewhere. So let's talk about implantation. But yeah, this ball of cells was, uh, was yeah, interesting to say the least. Um, and as you've mentioned, stated, you know, classified to extremely uh, unrealistic, but also extremely just, you know, totally, totally inaccurate. Exactly. And I think that it's important for us to look at the baggage behind it as well, because I, I would argue that on face value, if there's no other deeper connotations to it, you could very well characterize that human being as a clump of cells. If that was simply a, um, a what statement and not a value statement sort of thing, you know that they're saying a clump of cells because they don't want you to think about that clump of cells as being a human being, right? I mean, you could characterize you and I as clumps of cells, um, devastatingly handsome, very physically active and jacked and all that kind of stuff, clump of cells. But like at the end of the day, <laughs> you could accurately characterize us as clumps of cells. That's right. But you know that by saying that, all of the baggage that goes along with it is incredibly dehumanizing. It's it's an effort to show that this is just um, nothingness. It could be any kind of cells. Obviously, there's no mention of it being a clump of human cells or a human being that is currently looking an awful lot like a clump of cells. Things that would be a little bit more accurate. They're intentionally vague because they're hoping to sweep in some major inaccuracies with that vagueness. They're hoping that by not talking about it being a human being, by talking about it in this dehumanizing language, that we'll forget that they're human and we'll be okay with these early term abortions, which aren't even killing a human because they're just a clump of cells. When people ask me on the street, um, are, are you really trying to give human rights to a clump of cells? My go-to question um, initially is what kind of cells? What kind of cells we're talking about? Okay, human cells. And are they a part of another human being? Well, no. Okay, and so if something is growing, isn't it alive? Yeah. And if that living organism has human parents, isn't he or she a living human? Yeah. Well, wouldn't that make abortion a human rights violation? That kind of thing to, to really hit on this description of a bag of cells or a clump of cells or a bundle of cells, whatever you want to call it, 
isn't meaningful in any kind of way. And I'm going to challenge the, the definition that you're associating with that expression. And so that's something that I think is really important. And then Peter, as you mentioned, the next step that they talk about is um, pregnancy officially beginning once that quote unquote fertilized egg, which as we've talked about, is entirely inaccurate, um, implants into the uterine lining. Um, and you, you let it off the top, maybe, maybe, um, speak just to this, this importance of language, right? Because why are they talking about this being the beginning of pregnancy? I, I think there very well could be a valid debate as to how we define pregnancy based off a few other things, but language matters in these conversations, right? And they're trying to associate pregnancy with something that they really shouldn't be. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you think about who put this video forward as Planned Parenthood, if you think about the mission and vision of Planned Parenthood and, and the work that they do, um, I mean, most of what they do is abortions, uh, despite the claim that only 3% of what they do is abortion. Um, but most of what they do is abortions. And so what we have to, to think, as any business would do, putting out videos like this would be a sort of marketing pitch. Um, and that's why it's important for them to use language like this. So from, from the beginning until here, we've talked about a ball of cells. We've talked about a fertilized egg. We've never really talked about a human being yet. Um, but here, upon implantation, is the first time that we're actually talking about a pregnancy. So prior to this, there's no pregnancy. Upon implantation, there is a pregnancy. But language still matters when it comes to this. Because just by saying that something is a pregnancy, you know, does for a lot of people perhaps, I guess, uh, for Planned Parenthood, doesn't really connect the dots that this pregnancy equals a human being. Uh, one of the things we hear all the time, Cam, is, is the phrase terminating a pregnancy, right? The, the way we describe, one of the ways we describe abortion is terminating a pregnancy. And so if you think about the phrase terminating a pregnancy, pregnancy and you think about this ball of cells just bouncing around the uterus and finally connecting to the uterine lining and connecting, Basically, what we're saying is, okay, so having an abortion would just be removing this ball of cells. And so this, again, I mean, even though we, we've, we've finally, you know, started talking about an actual pregnancy that's happening, the, the language that we're using is, is just further um, perpetuating the injustice of abortion, as it were. You know, we're just still shying away from the fact or, or staying as far away, away as we can of the fact that we're talking about a unique human being. One of the things that this video completely fails to do is make any mention of when a human life might actually begin. I, I mean, this is this is an honest question. We spend time on the streets talking about this and and debating it with, with people as they bring up different stages of pregnancy that they think human life begins. Uh, but you'd think that for Planned Parenthood, this would be a significant question. Uh, because we don't want to kill human beings, right? Um, we want to, you know, end their lives as it were before they become human beings um, in their mindset. But we don't even get to the point of talking about when do they actually become human beings. And so at this point, um, we're talking about a pregnancy is when this quote unquote ball of cells implants in the uterine lining. Kim, do you have anything to, to discuss when it comes to this definition of the beginning of pregnancy? Yeah, so I... I... Along your lines, I, I think that this is one of their intentional ambiguities, because I think there could be a valid discussion as to how we define what pregnancy means. And, and let me um, give an example of what I mean by that. Um, 
obviously there's a whole kettle of fish that goes along with in vitro fertilization. And that's something, Peter, you and I are going to be doing an episode on relatively shortly here. Um, but for in vitro fertilization, in which fertilization occurs outside of a mother's womb, and then um, that, that zygote, that embryo often by that point is um, placed into a mother's uterus with hopes of implantation, I think that everyone would agree that pregnancy didn't begin at the moment of fertilization. Pregnancy has something to do with tying that human's life to being within the mother's womb. And so I think that there could be a valid um, discussion as to, do, do we define pregnancy as the state in which a living human is existing within a mother's uterus um, or, or reproductive system? Do we define pregnancy as only when a human being implants into a mother's uterus or reproductive system. Um, I think that you could argue that there, there's a, a semantics debate as to how we characterize pregnancy. But like you said, they are equivocating pregnancy with humanity. They are trying to say that because pregnancy might not begin using our definition until several weeks after fertilization, because pregnancy has me, hasn't begun, the morning after pill, early forms of abortifacient birth control, um, other early abortion um, techniques aren't actually killing a human being because they are subtly trying to correlate pregnancy with humanity. And I think that that is a major, major problem. And we need to be very, very careful of, sure, you can have this abstract debate as to how we want to define pregnancy. But there is no debate as to how we define a human being. There is no debate as to when a human life comes into existence. And there ought not be any debate as to when human rights should begin. Human rights must begin when a human's life begins. And I, I think that that's a major factor that, that speaks to this, the theme of this episode of language matters, that because of these intentional ambiguities, because of these outright inaccuracies, because of the things that they conveniently forget to mention in any way, they are leading people towards the conclusion that abortion, especially early in a, a human being's life, because pregnancy hasn't even begun yet, is an absolute non-factor. And so I think that really matters. And I think that this leads to a whole bunch of other factors as well. They go on to talk about how half of all pregnancies naturally don't implant. Something that contradicts their own language, right? Because if implantation hasn't occurred, then there's no pregnancy whatsoever. And so using their language of pregnancy, 100% of pregnancies implant because implantation is necessary for it to be considered a pregnancy. So they are contradicting themselves and their own language by suggesting that up to half of all pregnancies naturally don't implant. And yet, even with this backtracking of their own language, I mean, if they wanted to be consistent, they'd have to say up to half of all humans, or they would, they would probably say up to half of all fertilized eggs don't implant but they contradict themselves with their own language by saying that half of all pregnancies naturally don't implant. And in mentioning that, obviously, they don't spare a single breath towards acknowledging the hardship of, of very early term miscarriages and those um, children who don't successfully implant and tragically die through miscarriage. No nod, no acknowledgement, no anything towards either the victims of, of miscarriage or um, the parents who experienced that miscarriage either. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's one of the, the sad and tragic realities of Planned Parenthood is that 
I mean, their mission is to end the lives of preborn children. They do it under the banner of, of women's rights and, and doing what we can for women. Uh, but that's one example, Cam, of where Planned Parenthood totally disregards the experiences of, of those who have lost their children, especially here um, at an early term, um, as they you know try to continue their narrative. One thing that really struck out uh, to me here as well is, is just considering the work of Planned Parenthood, considering the fact that the more abortions they have, the more profitable uh, their, you know, their business and the better their bottom line looks like. And so bringing up a stat like up to half of all pregnancies naturally don't implant, the natural thing that would come to my mind would be, well, if half don't implant, then, you know, who cares about that other ball of cell, that other fertilized egg that I choose to remove? Um, you know, that's just, that's basically just like all these ones that are naturally not implanting. And there's nothing really bad that's happening. Um, nothing really terrible because as we saw with this ball of cells, it's just a ball of cells uh, that I'm removing from my body. And again, again, I, I, I know we've mentioned it before. We have to keep on pointing this out because we have to keep reminding ourselves what's at the center of this conversation. And that is, what are we talking about when we're talking about these balls of cells? And I think about something I can't remember who said at first, first, um, but but the, the 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 real kicker, as it were, is is this. I mean, if the preborn are not human, right? If this quote unquote ball of cells, if this quote unquote fertilized egg, if they are not human, then no justification for abortion is necessary at all. However, if they are human, then no justification for ending their life for abortion would be adequate. And so, um, I mean, you understand why Planned Parenthood doesn't include this in their video, but the question that each and every person must ask uh, if we value human rights at all would be, are these preborn children human? All right, Cam, they, they continue on um, and talk about implantation. Uh, they continue to talk about implantation, how it could take three to four days. Um, and uh, so while this may be true, again, it doesn't really address the fact of or change the fact of whether a human's life has already begun or not begun as we, as we need to, um, as we really need to contend with. So before we, we really just dive into the last segment, uh, you brought it up already, but the last, you know, how do we bring this up on the streets? How do we respond on the streets when someone uses this type of language? You've done it before, uh, earlier on in this video, but I really want to highlight it again, because that's the key point of our podcast. I mean, that's why we exist. Is there any other, or are there any other final thoughts that you have from this video that you think would be important to highlight? Just one thing that I'll build on what you had said there about this notion of half of pregnancies don't implant anyways. That's something that we hear on the streets time and time again, right, Peter, that, well, miscarriages happen anyways. This is a natural process. People somehow trying to equate um, abortion to miscarriage because that child could have died anyways, therefore I'm not doing anything wrong. It blows my mind that people actually think that that's a, a realistic or relevant argument because the simple response that we often use at CCBR is simply this, that I can fall out of a boat and drown, or somebody could push me out of a boat and hold my head underwater until the bubbles stop coming up. I've drowned in both cases, but we cannot in any way suggest that the latter is acceptable because the former tragically happens occasionally. Miscarriages are tragic, and rarely are the people who, bringing, who bring up this argument 
in any way validating the the grief and and tragedy of miscarriage but the idea that abortion is okay because that child could have died of natural causes anyways is absurd especially when we try on the toddler or look at any other born human being and say it's okay for me to intentionally kill this 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 human because they could have died of natural causes later sure they could have slipped and fallen and and cracked their head or i could have hit them with my car in both cases they have a cracked skull in one case it's a uh, tragedy in another case it's an absolute human rights violation um that that's the only thing that i was going to dovetail on um but yeah, maybe let, let's move into how we would respond to this on the street. If somebody is challenging you on the definition of pregnancy, in my humble opinion, Peter, I think that you need to get out of the weeds. You need to sidestep that entirely. I don't think it's worth investing a ton of time into trying to perfectly define pregnancy. As we've talked through this show, what we need to define is when human life begins. Because how we define pregnancy is irrelevant once we've defined when human life begins. And that definition has been given to us by every credible biologist um, practicing and retired and many of those who have gone before us and died. Um, this is something that isn't, isn't breaking news. This is something that has been known for an awful long time, Peter. So please don't get stuck in the weeds. Don't spend 15 minutes or half an hour or even longer talking about how we define pregnancy. Cut to the chase. Bring out the human rights argument. Do you agree that all humans should get human rights? Yeah. Something is growing even from one cell to two cell to four cell. Isn't he or she alive? Or isn't it alive? Yeah. If that living organism has human parents, isn't he or she a living human? Yes. Doesn't that make abortion a human rights violation? That's where you got to go. Don't get caught in the weeds. Don't take the bait on the semantics. Cut directly to that all-important question of what is abortion and what does it do to a human being? That is great, sir. So when you are in conversation, uh, for those of you who are listening, whether you do it uh, in, in a similar style that we do it here at the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, which is going on the streets and engaging with others in conversation, or if it's you know in your classroom with your peer, whether it's at work or, or wherever it might be, you know, we, we, we want to highlight here in this video that language does matter. So when you're in conversation, you're going to hear things like the pregnancy uh, or terminating the pregnancy or fertilized eggs or balls of cells or reproductive rights or reproductive choices or women's rights or the contents of the uterus. Um, you are, you're going to hear euphemisms. You are going to hear this sort of rhetorical gymnastics to try and get away uh, from the reality of who the, who the preborn are and, and whether the person you're talking to is consciously trying to get away from that reality or subconsciously, you know, just doesn't really know, but this is the sort of language that they've been taught. And this is what they know about abortion. What you mentioned, Cam, is really important, which is, you know, don't debate the, you know, the fine details of what the pregnancy might be or what fertilized eggs are, are particularly uh, those are worthwhile conversations, most certainly, but we, re we really want to understand who the preborn are, what abortion does to them. We have the human rights argument, as Cam, out Cam outlined. Uh, we have some of the other tools that we've shared in the past, common ground, finding common ground, using analogies like trotting out the toddler and comparing a born child to a preborn child in the exact same circumstance, and then asking that question, if we shouldn't be allowed to, to end the life of a born child because of any particular circumstance, why should we be allowed to end the life of that very same child 
for the very same reason before birth. When that child is a little bit younger, when that child is a little bit less developed, when that child is in a different environment. And so the question has to, has to be who are the preborn and our conversations also must hinge and must center on that very question. And we are going to put the video from Planned Parenthood, the YouTube link in our description. It's, it's like, it's less than two minutes. So go check it out and, uh, and, and see what you think. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for staying with us for this 30 minutes. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, do check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash guys. Check out the tiers. There are some cool perks, but even better than the perks uh, is you get to be a part of this podcast and you get to be a part of ensuring that good quality content can continue going out to the world and people can continue to be equipped to have good and effective and win some conversations about abortion. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on your, your podcast catcher, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and please do share this content with your friends, whether they're pro-life, whether they're pro-choice, do share it with them. We'd also love to hear from you. We, you can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or on our website, prolifeguys.com. That's prolifeguys.com. Thank you so much, everyone. Cam, do you have one final thing that you would like to say, sir, before we wrap this up? One final thing that I'll throw in there, it can be difficult. I hope, um, Peter, that, that everything that we're saying about how to have these effective conversations can help you cut through the rhetoric in your conversations. But I can't suggest highly enough the value of abortion victim photography when it comes to cutting through rhetoric. Um, obviously, um, you'll, you'll need to be discerning in in the context and how you show it, and you don't want to spring it upon anybody or anything like that. But I can't speak highly enough as to the value of showing a human being who's been physically ripped apart to cut through the rhetoric of a fertilized egg. It blows my mind that people refer to um, that child as a fertilized egg up until like 12 weeks of pregnancy sort of thing. And when you can show them a 10-week aborted child who's got fingers and toes and developed organs and all that kind of thing to cut through a ton of that rhetoric can't recommend that highly enough. We've seen countless people change their minds on abortion because of that evidence that cuts through all of the language of the abortion conversation. And so absolutely work on the language, absolutely have the conversations by all means, but also know that there is a very, very effective resource available, whether you pull up an, an image on your phone or whether you got one in your wallet or whatever it might be. Um, if you're having a difficult time cutting through the rhetoric, cut to the images because as my friend Jonathan often says, an image tell um, a picture um, is worth a thousand words, and so um, consider that as well. That that's everything from me, Peter. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week wherever you're at.